We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the Doomwatch episode, No Room for Error. In an isolation ward, a young woman lies stricken with typhoid. The prognosis is grim. This and several other cases appear to be a new drug-resistant strain of the highly infectious disease. Nothing in the arsenal of wonder drugs has any effect on it. British Associated Pharmaceuticals, or BAP, has a potential new wonder drug, Stelomycin. But its approval for use is being held up by the bureaucratic red tape of Doomwatch. By the absolute wildest of coincidences, Quist has just made a job offer to a potential new member of the Doomwatch team, Dr. Faye Chantry. She has excellent qualifications, both as a research scientist and a medical doctor. But she's not sure she can commit to the job for a variety of reasons. Amongst other things, she doesn't want to impede scientific progress, which she perceives Doomwatch may be doing. Quist assures her that it isn't so, but she has other reservations. Quist understands her hesitancy. She is, after all, a woman, and they don't have the same priorities as men, and process decisions differently, emotionally, instead of logically, even. He seems to try to convince her that if she works for Doomwatch, there'll be no sex for her. I may be misinterpreting that conversation. Uh. Oh, and the wild coincidence I mentioned? Dr. Chantry did her research science at BAP, developing stelomycin. And during her strange conversation with Dr. Quist, the head of BAP, Professor Lewin, calls her in Quist's office and tells her about the typhoid outbreak and that Doomwatch is holding up approval of their wonder drug. See, Dr. Quist, you're impeding scientific progress on life-saving drugs. No, we're not, says Quist. We gave our approving report to the ministry six weeks ago. They haven't acted on it. I'll get onto the minister right now and see what's the holdup. Even though she's not yet on the staff, Quist sends Chantry to BAP to get the wheels greased for immediate distribution once he gets it cleared by the minister. Professor Lewin at BAP wants Chantry back in the worst possible way and pulls out all the stops to try to re-recruit her. She's been gone for a few years, having left after an incident involving, and being involved with, another scientist at BAP, Nigel. And things haven't changed. Lewin isn't so sure and asks Nigel to show her around. Wink, wink. Doomwatch's report on Stelomycin has some contraindications, but Quist gives his personal recommendation to the hesitant minister that, in a limited capacity, for the purposes of treating this typhoid outbreak only, Stelomycin appears safe and effective. Back at BAP, Nigel drops the bombshell to Faye. I'm divorced! There is nothing standing between us now. Come back to me, Faye. Let's go to the pub and talk about it. Stelomycin is provisionally approved and treatment begins. Professor Lewin allows Nigel to offer Faye a job, but he says it'll only be for a year or two before she quits. You two will get married. You'll be together day and night. That won't be good. And then she'll want to stay home and take care of the house and the babies. But, but it's fine. Unfortunately, one of the typhoid patients who was almost dead is now completely dead after adverse reactions to stelomycin. A couple more patients are showing similar reactions. 
the hospital administrator stops use of stelomycin just as Nigel's daughter contracts typhoid and is admitted. Doomwatch forms a provisional hypothesis. One of the contraindications was that stelomycin should not be given in prophylactic doses. If those patients who had adverse reactions had previously been treated with small doses of stelomycin, this would be consistent with their symptoms. But since stelomycin wasn't on the market, that wouldn't be possible, right? Unless there was a breach in protocol. Nigel thinks it's utter tommy rot and scoffs at the idea. He convinces Faye to administer stelomycin to his daughter. Ridge tracks it all down to a single school, the school near BAP, and the school Nigel's daughter attends. A test of everything at the school finds nothing, but perhaps the milk furnished to the school had previously been contaminated. That farm had been a feed test farm for stelomycin. At the farm, Ridge finds the smoking gun. BAP didn't retrieve and destroy the leftover stelomycin, and workers at the farm broke protocol and used it as an utter wash for the milking cows, imparting low-level doses to some of the students, including Nigel's daughter, who has had adverse reactions to the drug. Nigel realized that this is the kind of cock-up that kills people, including possibly his own daughter, but worse, it ruins reputations, destroys careers, and breaks up relationships. Yes, it seems Nigel has lost it all. All's well that ends mostly well. There's just one loose end. Will Dr. Faye Chantry join Doomwatch? Quist, it seems, knew about her affair with Nigel from her security check and intentionally sent her to BAP to get all that out of her system because, you know, women. Am I right? But it all looks like <laughs> Faye might be joining the team. Maybe. The end. Okay, well, Simon, this is the first chance that you and I have had to talk about Doomwatch. Now, I know that, that, that the, the discussions of Doomwatch on the podcast have been going back like years and years yes. and years. And, and I know that you uh, had to catch up a little bit to, uh, to catch up to the episodes of Watch. Do you have any observations about Doomwatch as a whole so far uh, from someone who has just, just plunked down and watched it up to this point? Well, it's, it, I, I have actually found it strangely compelling. So I have, having got decent decent recordings of it to watch which were that was the the barrier when you were first mm -hmm. discussing it for for keeping up with those early episodes having got got those decent recordings to watch i found myself drawn into it as a kind of uh, 1970s curiosity because it is very much despite despite its extraordinary prescience and actually in some of the 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 issues that it's dealing with and their relevance today it's also as you and Ben have discussed, it's incredibly kind of uh, of its time in terms <laughs> of its style and its portrayal of certain social aspects of the stories. And so I, it, it attracted and repelled at the same time, really, going through that first series of episodes where there were some quite strange elements to the stories, but also they were... And 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 the, the, you know I find the characters quite strange in many ways. I mean, um, and it, it's not because I I uh, share this bizarre grudge you seem to hold against Mary Shelley, um, but uh, Quist is this. You know, he's not merely a, a horrible whiner like Frankenstein. He's actually portrayed certainly in those early episodes as being a, 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 a an autocrat who is willing to go to extraordinary lengths to pursue what his own 
vision is of what is right and mm-hmm. essentially to 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 um to to override the concerns of others or any kind of democratic due processes that ought to be in place um and and ridge is obviously a kind of uh serial womanizer with uh, apparently no uh, conscience about that whatsoever and and uh, to be honest i didn't think that ren was much better in that respect no i mean yeah i mean i mean he doesn't seem to be on the make like ridge is constantly but i mean he wasn't enlightened there are at certain there are certain attitudes that are on on display and 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 you know that that's where the kind of repulsion comes from and the, and the the curiosity that draws you in are are these kind of um in interesting storylines arising out of potential disasters and how they how they might play out what i wasn't quite prepared for was how series two really kicks it to the next level in my opinion so um that you know that that first episode is uh, such a shame that that the the finale from season one is missing because that first episode is very much part part mm-hmm. two to that but um the 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 level of drama from then on in terms of the kind of the the almost kind of heart-wrenching dramatic twists that have been occurring are absolutely compelling that i mean it really is i think first-rate drama in terms of the the kind of the way in which it 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 explores the impact that some of the some of these decisions can have on individuals lives and because it's kind of dwelled into that area that i guess i particularly enjoy in science fiction of of kind of considering the uh the way in which the um the individual is impacted by decisions that are made by uh the state i guess um for want of a, a better way of putting it or, 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 or the authorities i guess is, mm-hmm. is is what i'm thinking of and you know that, that when you are talking about um, exploring sci- the, the the consequences of um, the use of science, the use of technology. I mean, it's really about the, the the technology. I think then you can't get away from the fact that what we do does impact upon uh, what we do as individuals does impact upon everyone else, mm-hmm. and so the decisions that get made have to be made collectively. But everyone's interests are different and therefore those collective decisions will have consequences and so the mechanism of the the, the state will be brought in whenever you get any any form of uh, of crisis like an outbreak of a of a chemical weapon or indeed an outbreak of typhoid as we're seeing in this episode here well one of the things that that is interesting to me about that and you know we can call it the authorities the powers that be whatever it happens to be i mean these are these are decisions being made by people elsewhere you know in in fact in the case of this episode with the typhoid these are decisions in some cases these are decisions being made by people who are not the authorities of the british people they're being made by those damned europeans over there without their regulations and stuff and sending in their their not properly taken care of meats and stuff so I mean, these are just events that happen from choices that people have made that that you have nothing to do with, and yet it's going to impact your life. And yes, that is a that's a compelling narrative or compelling narrative. Um, but another thing about it is is that you know ultimately decisions got to be made, don't they? Right? I mean, somebody has to make some decisions about whether to use stelomycin or not to use stelomycin in. Uh, in a situation and it can never be a perfect 
it can't be a perfect world. So there's always Indeed. a danger. There's always a danger when you portray something. And I think maybe this is part of my my thing against Mary Shelley or, or that genre of science fiction. It's like, we're going to do something and it's going to go horribly wrong. And that's why. And, and the conclusions that people draw from it are usually just like they do off, you know, sound bites on the news. They're not nuanced. They're not complete. They're, they're simplistic, and they draw the wrong black and white conclusion. Ah, science, bad! Every time a scientist, they're all amoral, and they all are, you know, godless, and they all don't, you know, they're tampering with God's will, and they're all this, and it's like, oh, that's bad, and it's not It's not that. Well, When they make I, this I, decision I, I, about Stella it's going to kill some people, and it's a mistake, yes. but it's the right decision. To use that's that drug in, is the right decision. Yes, because because I'm and, not because I'm well well it but but it there's a there's a philosophical aspect to it. I'm not deny I'm not denying that tendency uh, that that there is, and, and I think I think it's more about people people using things to reinforce their own pre-existing prejudices. True. But in a way, that is why I like science fiction that explores the nuances in this, and I think that that is what Doomwatch in this second series. Is and and thank goodness we do have all these episodes from the second series. That that is where it seems to be. Uh, it seems to be really keen to to explore those things because you because you're absolutely right. It's not necessarily a question about something going wrong. It could be a question about something going right. And I think this episode deliberately sets out to explore the 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 way in which something going right, even when it goes right is still going to have consequences nothing is perfect you, you know you there there will always be problems to fix and when you are talking about a typhoid outbreak problems to fix will involve people dying and it's a question it it, it does then become a question which is absolutely you know among the age, age old philosophical questions it, easy to answer if you're a utilitarian but if it means one or two people dying then it does it mean that you allow those people to die in the interests of saving a great many more people? Yeah, yeah, which is which is I think part of the part of the crux of this episode. Um, as a it whole, is. and and, and it, it, it's it, they 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 use it in an in an excellent way to to kind of hang the 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 other the other dilemma with sort of Nigel as the the fulcrum of this, where you 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 kind of have one attitude as a scientist. And another attitude as a patient or a family member of a patient, because you you may make an entirely different decision if you're if you are personally affected in that way. Because mm -hmm. what you're talking about, and and there are these endless. I mean, it's one of the things I loved about this episode. There is endless earnest discussions about large scale trials and data and all the rest of it, and and yet. When it comes down to when it comes down to how he should treat his daughter, Nigel isn't being. We'll come back to the sexism undoubtedly, but Nigel isn't. Nigel isn't being uh, the rational scientist in this. The you know that kind of male equals rational. Um, <laughs> yeah, stereotype that 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 and and it and it is pointed up in the in I think I think something that Faye says about him, which is that he. A lot of his attitude 
towards his work is based on faith. And that carries over when it actually becomes a question of life and death for his daughter because he is he is making a decision that is very emotional based on he wants to intervene rather than not intervene and and and, and you know and and that that's regardless of the fact that he doesn't have the full picture yet they don't have all of the data that they're, they're busy trying to find out the data but for him it 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 just it 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 becomes that it's that emotional thing of we must do something and this is something so it's better than not doing anything at all even if it wasn't his his kind of brainchild his wonder drug it's it's almost you can almost imagine that he would just go well regardless of 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 what is rationally the on a pure question of the probabilities what is the question of what might have the most likely beneficial outcome here just doing something is mm. is what he wants to do as the patient's father well you mentioned his pride as well um mm-hmm. because even before his daughter is stricken he clearly is in the doom watches anti-progress camp what he yes. does is There's progress Snoop is not proper scientists Snoop, that's right D- despite the fact that they are proper scientists but um and i'll, I'll defend doom watch at least on that level um they may not conduct good science all the time but but they are they are proper well, they scientists. May, no, they, no, I would, I would criticise them on, on that basis. I mean, I, I, I think I would defend them on the basis that ethics, the, the, the ethical dimensions of experimental research are an integral part of science. And so the, 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 the kind of criticisms of, of Frankenstein and the rest of it strike me as simply saying, you know, all, all, the, all the kind of ethical approval that you have to get and all the rest of it is so much red tape. Let the scientists just get on with it because they are progress. Mm. And, I, you know, I, 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 I'm totally at odds with that point of view. I think, I think Mary Shelley had a good point to make, even if I found Frankenstein himself extremely tedious. So, <laughs> so I, I, I think Doomwatch themselves are genuinely proper scientists and the people that they go into battle with although they may be scientists as well they are often either politicians or as in they they have moved into into civil service positions from a scientific background some of them are just straight politicians some of them are capitalists because they are working for a private let's say a private pharmaceutical company or whatever Mm. and they're their concerns have become bound up in the the interests of the company, and that, generally speaking, is is I mean there is it there I guess there is an ideal of pure science within the academy, but generally speaking, that's not what reality is like. It, it's actually the case that you yes you may be a scientist, but you will be something else as well. And our guys in Doomwatch, and yeah yeah they have been guys. Uh, our guys in Doomwatch are scientists and watchdogs at the same time and there's nothing wrong with that okay let me ask this question i had two questions i can't think of the other one right at the top of my head but it'll probably come back to me but we you touched on the capitalism aspect and looking at bap 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 i love yes. that they're called bap <laughs> oddly enough that's a company here in the united states uh bap british auto parts so um oh it's giving bap a plug there um <laughs> It's like I don't have a British auto anymore, so I don't have to use them. But uh, uh, they've taken a lot. Oh of well, there goes your the chance of getting some free auto parts for this. <laughs> Window cranks for my old TR7. I needed about forty of those. Um, anyway, <laughs> British Leyland, great stuff. Um, 
did they do anything wrong? I mean, I, I was kind of confused at the end of this episode. Um, I, I tried to work around it a little bit, but it sounded to me like for the vast majority of this, BAP was right on the money with their protocols and their operations and and how they conducted their trials. I don't think there was, you know, sometimes we've seen on Doomwatch, we've seen companies that try to skirt things. I didn't get that yes. impression here. I got that BAP did everything right on, on their part. Um, I, I wasn't sure whether or not the whole s- sudden subplot or, or not even a subplot, just sort of like, here's how it got to the farm kind of thing, was where it looked like it might not make it into human trials. Therefore, we decided to start doing investigation on animal trials. But then once we found out that it was human trials, we stopped doing that. Again, we solved the problem with humans, and so we brought it back to the human trial. And it, this seems to be a leftover from the farm animal trial aspect of it. I wasn't sure whether or not when they closed down that phase, whether a mistake was been made by BAP, whether their protocol wasn't up to standard, or or whether Nigel was in some way negligent. I, I didn't quite I, get I, that. I, 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 so, I mean, I think I think here is where I think here is where we applaud the nuance because, which, as you mentioned, is very important. And 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 you you compare this to an episode like uh, Train and D Train, D Train, yes. Where the, 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 the George Baker character was very much a, a, a kind of two-dimensional cipher for the the uh, fat cat rich capitalist. Whereas here, can we, I mean we probably just need to set aside the 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 the, the, uh, the monstrous sexism of uh, <laughs> Nigel and, and Professor Lyric and and uh, focus on on. Well, yes, but I mean, in, ter- in terms of whether we whether we think this is whether we think this is a well-behaved company, because I think you're right; they did do everything right. And so, you know, point one: they have developed stelomycin, which is the only thing that is available to combat this strain of typhoid, which is resistant to all other drugs. So they have produced something that is incredibly socially useful. Point two. When they are when they are faced with the issues around stelomycin in, in in the in the hospital that where these schoolchildren are, are being treated who are um, uh, where there is a, a, a higher mortality rate and the, and there are these uh, counterindications they actually take that seriously and they go through everything apparently with a fine tooth comb and in conjunction yes with Doomwatch to see if they can find out what the cause is mm-hmm. and where i think the nuance comes in is the is the fact that when when doomwatcher in there and they they get this this kind of it, it, i mean it's not even really a lead it's more of a kind of loose end but this loose end about the the uh, farm where the experimental trials have, have been taking place they pursue it because they want to know where that leads whereas those who are working for BAP are much less inclined to follow it and so you ask the question, is that because they don't particularly want to know where that leads? And in answer to your question of, you know, were they were they negligent? Were their protocols at fault? The answer, I th- I think, that certainly you seem to get from, from, from kind of Nigel's reaction to this, is yes, um, there was negligence on their part because they shouldn't have left that, that, that unused batch of antibiotics on the farm because it was no longer part of a trial. And also the, the 
on the farm they were culpable because they had used something they shouldn't have used. Mm-hmm. Albeit that they didn't on the farm they didn't realise the consequences of what they're doing. They thought they were just doing something spiffing that was generally, you know, hooray, scientific progress. And albeit that the 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 kind of in terms of the 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 scale of the transgression of the protocols that was made, it was tiny, tiny, tiny. Mm-hmm. It really would have been very insignificant if it weren't just for this chain of of incredibly unfortunate events. Coincidences. Let's use the word coincidences. An incredible series of coincidences. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, what I didn't get, I guess what I was, well, no, it wasn't what I was getting at, but earlier when I mentioned, where did that break down? Was it BAP not retrieving it? Was it the yes. farm not following? I, I didn't, if, if they said what it was, maybe the farm was supposed to destroy it. You know, no, I, I, think, I don't. I think Nigel, Nigel, Nigel said something along the lines of it because because he has that extraordinary scene where where it's it's it, he's he's setting it up as if as if Faye is Poirot who's who's you know pointed the mm-hmm. finger at he 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 is the killer and 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 his kind of reaction is you know oh bravo well done by actually exposing me um, you know you've done all this down rather than rather than showing any remorse for the fact that if he had done his job properly and like i say it's a, it's a small thing but he's more than anyone going to be aware of the consequences he 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 actually says that if if it is his fault because he should have retrieved the antibiotics okay did 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 he show more uh show more remorse about his career and his reputation than he did about the fact that his daughter could die because I kind of got that out of his speech. I think he didn't indicate any responsibility at all. I, I mean, there was self-pity for the fact that mm. it would affect his career. There was some self-pity for the fact that his daughter was critically ill. I, like you, I'm not sure what order he mm-hmm. put those in, which is, you know, a pretty terrible indictment. <laughs> yes, I suppose it is. I suppose it is. Um... So, I, and I guess there's, you know, there's a hint here in the title, no room for error. Yes. You know, it, 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 this, this one wasn't going to be about, this one wasn't going to be about no room for greed and cutting corners. This was, this was about just the, hmm, slap. A separate point that I thought was interesting, probably because of difference in writers and lack of continuity, Ridge didn't seem remotely disturbed by the chicken batteries in this episode Despite the fact that in the the fish episode a couple people. back battery people yes he uh, he he was absolutely turned off chicken um, yeah. from visiting that environment and and a- another piece of this puzzle but, oh go ahead well I was just going to say I mean I, I agree it may it may come from a different different writers but actually the perspective is similar in the sense that there is. There is this statement made. Um, I, I, I think it's the the lady at the farm who who says, or, or may, is it Rich himself? I can't remember. But so, but someone points out that it is the housewife wanting cheap chicken that lead to these consequences. It's the farm woman, yeah. Yeah. So so some someone states the fact, and and she obviously is coming from a perspective of being a big fan of all of this. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, it's it is pointed out to us as the viewers, that this is a consequence of the demand. And, that, you know, that is a debate that continues. Certainly, you know, it has, it, it's, it's been a big thing in the UK for some time. And the whole question about animal wel- welfare 
and food quality and what people are prepared to pay for food because I, I don't know I don't know how it compares to to the US but compared to other European countries we actually spend a, a, a relatively small proportion of our income on food we don't appear to be willing to spend money on I don't think it's high welfare because there are some appalling welfare practices in other countries where they have foie gras and things but high quality uh, high quality food and that you know that is the point here about factory farming yeah and cows and, and indeed the food the, 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 the food imports that that um, that are supposed to have brought about the the initial antibiotic resistance that caused this typhoid strain to be uh, you know, to, to for, for something they were unable to treat using. I felt the, the seeds antibiotics of, they previously had. I felt the seeds of Brexit in that very episode. I, I, I've seen this yeah. in other in other shows, British shows in that era, and there is such a disdain <laughs> for Europe <laughs> in a lot of it, it, British shows. It, I mean, not just you're, the French. You're, you're seeing you're seeing something of the of the attitude um, to it, but. It, as as in you know this this is an issue of imports from other european countries but i'm not sure that it's i'm not sure that it's although the although the the attitude may be a common route i don't think it leads logically logically to the to the to the consequences that we are dealing with in 2019 because this is 1971 and you weren't in at, eu at that point were you uh no indeed and so joining the European Union is actually a way of harmonising the standards. Uh, it's not even the European Union at this point, um, but it's common, but, common um, market. Yeah. It, 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 it will lead, it's, it's, it will lead to the single market some couple of decades later or so, and the, and within the single market, all of these regulations become standardised. And it's and the 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 sing, you know the, the the British Margaret Thatcher architects of the single market because it allows us to actually control these things for our imports not just for the stuff that we grow here so it 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 shifts things away from being purely about um protectionism uh versus having to accept all of the all of these all of these kind of um low quality or sub substandard food products to saying actually you know what we can we can do free trade but we can also ensure that we have proper safety measures in place so that we are we are not swamped by low quality low grade or dangerous produce in this country well you fix that <laughs> well the, that's uh, been that, solved but, but that that it had, that has been that has again we're in the brexit debate it, another point where the the you know the the kind of the prescience of Doomwatch is so striking is because in the Brexit debate, one of the one of the big kind of the the, the colourful arguments that keeps coming back up, um, and it and it and it comes it, 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 it's a it's a point that is brought up by those who are arguing in favour of remain uh, within the EU is that those who want to leave among the things they say is it gives us freedom to make a free trade agreement with lots of other countries and the, and those arguing for remain says yes and amongst those countries is the US who are going to insist that we allow them to export to us their chlorine washed chicken and it's exactly the same issue all over again it's all about food safety and food standards and the 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 fact that for, for us there will be consequences of the 
the the quality of food imports and and that comes straight back to the problem at the very beginning of this episode yeah so speaking of the prescience of doom watch um we've got typhoid here not MRSA, but um i find i find it incredibly depressing um watching this 1971 72 71 or 72 uh episode and the people even the people who are doing the writing which i assume that they did a little bit of research on this you know have got a, a very good command of you know the 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 talking points and reasons why these things are going to go wrong with regards to mm. drug resistance uh bugs uh you know from using antibiotics in cows and in livestock and into our feed process and the fact that we overuse them and that that's going to cause resistance and da, 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 da. and you know that's a problem that we're genuinely having now in places 50 years later yeah and we knew about it and 50 they, years and, ago and, and they hadn't fixed it well and they it wasn't they knew about it 50 years ago it was that they were making prime time television programs about it 50 years ago yes yeah. this, this is popular culture it, it, it wasn't even a niche discussion and here we are 50 years later mm-hmm. and and that is that is one of the things about it that the, the the prescience of doom watch depresses me because for very few things that they bring up on this show very few of them have gone away <laughs> right none of them have been solved really Maybe John Ridge's libido has been solved a little bit, but but not really. Well, I'm, and, I'm not sure yeah. about that. <laughs> I, I, but, I was I was you know I was going to say maybe maybe things have have uh, improved a little bit in terms of equality legislation for affecting the workplace, but yeah, but it, but not solved. The problem is clearly still there. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like there. to overstate the case, but yeah, the the fact that yes, yes, yeah. So I mean that 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 just really. Uh, gets me. Um, so we're going to obviously have to talk about the sexism in this episode here in a second. So I'm going to, uh, yeah. I'll hold it off for a second. Hey, Anthony Ainley, the oh, master. Yes, the master. <laughs> Looking like such a cheerful and nice guy. You know, I mean, he, he's, he's really kind of a cheerful, I mean, considering the situation that he's but, in. But isn't, isn't that what was, that isn't that what was so good about Ainley? You know, he's he's tree mass, and then and then he shifts. To, you know, you couldn't imagine a, a nicer, more a more gen, gentle old man. But than, he was an old than, man. You know, it's kind of the kindly yes. old man. Here he's sort of a, a young nice guy. I don't know. It just it just struck me. It's like, gosh, acting, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so this starts us on it. Sewage workers. So somehow. Or, I'm sorry, sanitation officers. Somehow, Ridge has to infiltrate sanitation officers, Cockney sanitation officers. And when they discover he's infiltrated them, they beat him up so that he's got a bandage on his eye for the entire episode. Is this... Is this that same thing that happened in the Doctor Who episode where Tom Baker whacked his lip and they had to write it into the script? I couldn't find any evidence on this, but I couldn't figure out why they had that scene or that bit with him doing his eye or why they felt they needed to explain it. I, 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 I mean, I don't know. Are there, are there books about Doomwatch that give us the kind of, you know, there's people have, people have written these, these mm-hmm. volumes that give us all the background information on such things as Doctor Who? 
and I couldn't find shows, it. Thankfully, such online. Anyway, images. is there is there a volume about Doomwatch? I don't know about a book. Um, I couldn't find the info online. I, I did search for right. it because it it struck it stood out so much. It's like unless it's entirely there just so that Barbara can kiss his boo boo better, <laughs> which you know just starts the whole train wreck of sexism that is in yes. some ways we, this we, episode yeah, we more than others. That kind of press. <laughs> Crass class generalizations straight into the the appalling appalling sexism, which you know I because th- this this is this is top of my notes and it was going to be the first thing I talked about because it's so inescapable and you you alluded to a lot of the stuff just going through the the synopsis but one of the things that really I thought was I thought was the worst thing about this was the whole story of Bay and Nigel mm-hmm. and and the attitudes towards the fact that Faye apparently was forced to leave her workplace. And there's no comment on the fact that she she was she was the one who left, not Nigel. Mm-hmm. And so Forced, do you think, you think, forced by management or forced by her own personal I just can't do this well, it anymore. May, I mean it, I mean I I no, I think it may it may well have been her decision, but what kind of environment was she working in where she had where she felt she had to make that decision in other words she was not she was not supported she was not there are all there are all sorts of there are all sorts of there are all sorts of reasons that you can speculate around how it actually came about that she left and there are even scenarios where you think well maybe these things were discussed and it was you know the, the a, a case was made lewin did his best to support her but she just decided it was too painful to to go in and and see nigel every day all the rest of it but the fact of the matter is no one asks those questions no one no one ponders on no one even bats an eyelid about the fact that what appears to have he's been forced out and of course that's not the half of it because during the discussions that we see during the episode particularly between professor lewin and nigel there is this there is just this utterly utterly uh, creepy complicity makes your skin crawl go on now she's Where, free you're free she's free go on <laughs> yeah well, there's that there's that stuff but but also the you know the very worst moment where the professor tells nigel that it's up to him whether fate Chantry gets her old job back or not oh there's oh yeah yeah that's true and, and at one and at one point he he says to him you know your views count for more than hers you know and there's no explanation to that but the clear subtext is because he's the man could it? Could, I, I'm not I, not trying to justify. It. Could it be because he's the one that's working there and she isn't? Right? But it, why it, is that? Why is why is know, he is working there? Well, I know, but is it because he's the better scientist? Different. He's obviously different because I don't. Uh, he's he's talking about doing computer programming. I thought at, at some mm-hmm. point he's talking about the the. So I think he's in a different a different field than she is. Um. Yeah. I mean. Uh, ugh. So. You and I are are looking back on 1971, and I, and I'll tell you, I have been watching um, been watching Perry Mason lately. My dad used to love that show. I never really watched it, but I for, for whatever reason I've been watching this. This is very old U.S. I don't know if I've ever made it across the pond, but oh, yes. incredibly popular show. Yes, Perry Mason. Did. And you watch these episodes, and so much of it has to do with divorce through infidelity. Um, you know, it, it that is that's a big deal. If you can just prove that your spouse was infidelity, you get everything, right? They're ruined, you get everything. And there's an awful lot of, and you know, now that that that's not so much now, right? Um, 
No. But back then, as everything. And I think that's true in this case. So with Nigel being married, if these two are having an affair, um, they are potentially facilitating the destruction of a marriage, the company, in a way. And they, you know, it, it could be as like, we have to stand to that. This can't, this can't be happening here because that's litigation that we could be brought in on. This is just not just a, you know, well, you know, HR issue. This is, this is, I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not, but I mean, it is, it's hard to look hard back to on see, that hard, time. It's hard to see how they, how they could, how they could be litigated against. I, it just could be the publicity that it gets involved with, right? If it goes to court. Could be the publicity. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. But, it, you know, trying to look at divorce but cases it, again, it from comes, the eyes of 1971, to... it's very different. Oh, sure. Than it... But again, it comes back to the question of if it if it's an issue for them, who is at fault? Uh, well, who, who, if they if the if, woman, if, if the, the woman, the, the decision, they have to the get mistress. rid of someone. She's obviously at fault. <laughs> the, the sexy siren who tempted the man away from his his lawfully wedded wife, obviously. <laughs> That's just clearly written in the stars uh, in 1971. <laughs> I mean, I, I think you're right. Why do we get to say that? That is the clear implication of this story, and I think that is the clear zeitgeist of the time. Um, it's wrong. I mean, it's morally and from looking at, but I mean, it, that, I'm sure that's because exactly what it is. Women are second-class citizens in this world, in, in well, the yeah, 1971 well, Doomwatch world. Yeah, and and... There are there are parallels, I think, to be drawn with the way um, Dr. Robson is treated in Project Sahara by Quist, because the reason at the end that he gives her the push is because she wasn't honest about the relationship. She wasn't honest with him or the computer um, mm-hmm. about the relationship that she was involved with. But again, it was a relationship with a married man, and therefore there were all of the pressures that you describe involved in that. And actually the way she conducted herself was quite clever and she didn't allow herself to be compromised, even if she was in a position where she could be compromised. But the reason she was in a position where she could have been compromised and the reason that Quist sees it as as a security breach is precisely because of all of these attitudes and issues that you are describing, which means that in effect the, the women are held to a higher standard so the the kind of transgressions that a man would have to make in order to be fired in the same way are much more serious than those that a woman would that, in, that is an interesting way in to phrase that um i mean okay you're right it is a higher standard they can do less wrong and get the push but at the same time that's definitely not holding them to a holding them higher than men that's definitely holding them lower in in status yes it's it's, requi- it's, it's requiring weird. more of they, they it's requiring more of them to simply achieve the same as a, as a man mm. which again, uh, and it, you know yeah it's wrong it, right. it, it's a question of privilege and it's you know it's something that still hasn't gone away but uh, it's it's very it's very apparent that it's completely unquestioned in the way these stories are portrayed mm. another thing about lewin and nigel's I mean, there there really is that whole kind of, I know oh you're gone. You know, he doesn't say it. I know you're gone because of Nigel, but ha, I'm not going to tell you this, but I know a secret. Nigel's divorced now. So you guys just go at it. I, I think that's, mm. you know, that's great. Just, and I like, wow. Talk about removing, removing agency from her. Mm. Right. I mean, it's just, 
Yeah. It, it's just like, it's almost like an arranged marriage when, <laughs> when he sends her off with a little bit of a wink to Nigel and, and, and off, off they go. It's like, well, obviously that's going to work out. And, and then he turns that around and he says, you know, this is great, but yeah, let's face it. She's going to leave in a couple years anyway. Do you do, you know, woman stuff? Ah! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is one of those uh, arguments, if, if argument is the right word to be used for it, that, you know, as people in the workplace, women are less reliable because they're going to go do the baby thing. They're going to want to go take home. And I think it's really fascinating. I stumbled across this just weird bit of trivia, and I, I wasn't able to double check it. I, I literally ran across it right before. The actress who's playing Faye had been a fairly regular BBC actress, apparently, for, for mm-hmm. quite some time. And then she quit to go off and have babies and be a housewife for a few years. And she was just returning to work here after that. And it's like, okay, well, and, and they're almost, I mean, she should come back to work. But I mean, it is almost that kind of, yeah, see? <laughs> That's what women do. I was like, and it's, un, and when my kids were born, uh, you know, my wife did take, you know, well, with my daughter, that wasn't so much of a problem because she happened to be born in the summer. And my wife's a teacher. So, uh, you know, she was off for a few months anyway. But, you know, after she took a few months off, then I took a few months off to look after them. So mm-hmm. uh, as much as I could, um, or probably just a month, come to think of it, just felt like a few months. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so a little bit more advanced now, but it, it really, it really, and I think, you know, we could look at, we could probably look at Barbara too in the Doomwatch office. She's obviously a caricature of a of a secretary, um, replacing the previous caricature of a secretary. But uh, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that you know she's young and she's single, and when she gets married, that'll be the end of it. She'll leave. I mean, I, I think that's the expectation that they have for her. Assuming Certainly she doesn't. There's no, there, there's no depth. There, there has been no depth to that character or, or Pat's no. character because that that I don't even understand the the purpose of the, the role within the, the show. I mean, sure, the office needs someone. One for the dads. Part, does, it, does it need to be a speaking part? Yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it is just a show that has, has failed to give a regular role to a woman. And that's what this actress is being brought in to do, this character. Well, I, 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 don't, want, I, I don't want any spoilers about what happens next. But, I um, don't know. I actually genuinely don't know what happens next because they left this okay. with kind of like, uh, I'm not sure if she's in or not. But from what I've read, sure. this was an attempt to bring in a, a female character to kind of balance out the team a little bit. Well, it certainly and seems you bring like her in and then there in the next episode. You bring her in and then you just lay the sexism over the top of her. And I can't tell whether or not. All right, how about this? Do you think the writer was trying to make a point about the sexism, or do you think the writer was just reflecting the sexism? I, I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think there may have been a point buried to in some there of somewhere. It? But I, th- I think what actually happens is that, the, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever kind of small effort is made to, to satirise some of the sexist attitudes that uh, are, are present in this episode it's essentially just completely buried by all of the kind of uncritically reflected sexism that is just really left unquestioned here. Mm-hmm. So I, d- I don't know if a, if, you know if a tiny part of that... But big, I mean, in a, 
it's certainly interesting in terms of being a, a, a kind of a, a document of the time. I think I think it I think it's genuinely written as an honest attempt to try and portray what were common attitudes. And I, I you know I suspect comparing it with other things from that sort of time that it it does that relatively honestly and relatively well. But it, you know a, a, a TV show such as this should do more than just present what is around it should actually it should offer i think some sort of commentary on it and or, or it, some, it doesn't you know it takes some sort of critical attitude towards it and and, it, and it, no it really doesn't in this case and, and i think even even worse it kind of this whole thing about and i i think they're using it metaphorically but i'm not absolutely sure the whole thing about celibacy you take this job it's celibacy. Well, I think again, um, really, that's I mean, look at of look at Ridge. It's not celibacy. Well, that, but the, that is precisely <laughs> an example of, of of the being another standard. Yeah, we've we've had the point a couple of episodes back about Quist's celibacy, and mm-hmm. I think that's probably what what it's riffing on. But actually, what's going on here in these discussions is that Quist is essentially trying to put across that everyone who works for Doomwatch is so committed, so dedicated to their work that they don't have time to maintain any personal relationships and that Chantry should be aware <laughs> that that is what will happen to her if she comes and works in the office. Now, the implication there is, of course, that's what's happened to Ridge as well. And it may well be the case. But what Ridge does is satisfy his sexual needs in a different way. But, OK. So let's... And, and, and the assumption this is this is where there is a, there is a double standard the assumption is that chantry won't just go out and have casual sexual relationships in the way that ridge does she will be a a she will live a a, a kind of chaste life to yeah. be in a cloister forever mewed yes like quist okay so let, let's let's hit ridge for a second and i think we may have i may have asked this question that, uh, back in an earlier episode but is you sometimes you look at programs from the past and there are portrayals of the sexual revolution right that the pill was a great empowering thing for women it allowed them to go off and start having sex whenever they wanted just like men could go off and have sex whenever they wanted and that that freed up those social mores and allowed the free love movement if you will to to be a part of modern civilization. And, you know, okay, there might might be something to that argument. But what you see when you look look at these artifacts from that time is that it's still enormously sexist when you get characters Mm. like Ridge, who is just living up the dream, but it's still portrayed like, you know, now he can just, he doesn't have to respect boundaries because women want to have sex just as much as men do and so therefore it's just a question of hey you up for it yes i am let's go which we actually have seen bridge do <laughs> and we had the episode with the the rat scientist where she basically said the same thing back to him well that's you know i want to have sex you want to have sex let's go have sex boom we're off you know i, I almost feel like they're trying to portray the the sexual revolution there but it still comes off as so enormously sexist <laughs> and one-sided to me and i and i don't know if that's what they're going after with ridge or whether they're trying to go after he's like james bond or 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 whatever it is but you know he's quist it quist I, I yes I, I think i think there is an element of james bond to it but i i think the i think the the issue with ridge is not it that that when when he 
meets a sexy rat scientist or whatever and the sexy rat, rat scientist fancies him and you know boom off they go it, it is not the problem it is the fact that as you say it's it's it is those different attitudes and and the recognition of boundaries and so the fact that he may behave in a way that we would immediately consider to be harassment is just waved away as oh boys will be boys Mm -hmm. because that's the attitude that's just you know that's just part and parcel of what a a, you know young healthy sexually active lad like young john ridge will do and hey what can you do yeah he's like he's 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 lord flashheart for his age you know (laughs) (laughs) i have five women on weekdays and six on the weekends woof (laughs) you know that's (laughs) kind of what he is but without the satire Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> and, uh, but so Quist makes a comment to Ridge at the end. So, you know, at the beginning, he kind of has that, that the word celibacy pops up really early in that conversation with Chantry when they weren't talking about sex. And that kind of throws me off. It's like, wait, what? And then we get to the end. Quist explains it to Ridge. He's like, well, I was just pointing out to her, really, that, you know, you look around the Doomwatch team and nobody except for Colin is married. And then you look back at that and you go, the Doomwatch team is four people. Quist, who is a widower and an obsessive compulsive uh, and, and blames himself for his wife's death. So, I mean, there's, he's, he's just emotionally scarred. This is not the work, right? There's Ridge, who is a serial adulterer and proponent of the free love generation. But then there's Colin. He even calls Colin out. I mean, he doesn't get much screen time, but hey, he's married. And then there's Barbara, who, as we... I mentioned earlier, is probably expected to go off and get married when she quits the job. That would be true with any job of a secretary back in the... So basically, 25% of them are. 50%, if you count widower, being someone who could find time to do that in his work. This this metaphor doesn't stand... He is projecting entirely and only himself on that. Doom watches me. I can't. Don't have time. And... That's how he sees it, and I'm not sure that that's. But the but the other but the sure other people true. he's hired are the other people he's he's hired are probably in that same mold of being ultra dedicated and not uh, not in personal in in uh, you know ongoing relationships. Uh, that, as far as I could see, was definitely the case with Toby Wren. Not sure that we know Jeff Hardcastle very well. I'm not even sure he's going to be back. I, I truly don't know well, whether he's a I was, permanent I, character or I not. Was, I was one. I was. You didn't really mention his absence last time in discussing the Islanders. That's true. I did and not. I I wondered whether he would be back in this one, and clearly he's not. But he was set up in "You Killed Toby Wren" as being the new Toby Wren, and at the beginning of Invasion, he's there clomping about with uh, John Ridge, Ridge yeah. as if you know he's fully settled in as a member of the team so I, I i am i am wondering after two episodes of absence where the hell he's gone you know that's the problem with these shows where they put the credits at the end you know if he got his name up and they doom watch credits then you'd know he was in there and you'd know he was a permanent character but but because they put him at the end they can just slip him in he might be back five episodes from now i don't i i genuinely don't know i don't i, I genuinely if, if, don't if we, know if, if chantry will episodes. be back you know at all no well i mean well i should i should be curious to find out but if we'd had missing episodes it would be much more understandable to have these kind of discontinuities but we are now in a run with the second series where we've got 13 episodes at least 13 episodes straight where 
all of them exist. So mm. it, it is a bit disconcerting to find these uh, changes like this to the main cast. Mm. So, so the future is spoiler free uh, for the moment. Well, hurrah for uh, that. I will say this was, episode was written by uh, Roger Parks, and Roger Parks uh, has a long career uh, in British TV. Uh, he wrote the Prisoner episode, A Change of Mind. Uh, that's the one where the number six was declared unmutual. Um, he's done two episodes of Doom Watch, including, it looks like, another one in the future. It's based on the dates. Without the bomb. Um, he did several episodes of The Survivors, Dead Cars, Return of the Saint. He did three not good episodes of Blake Seven. Uh, <laughs> just looking at those titles, Headhunter, Children of Aron, and Voice from the Past. Uh, yeah, not crazy about any of those, as I recall. Stopped doing stuff, it looks like, in 1990. My guess is that might be. Uh, that's not when he died, though, but... Uh, but he is no longer with us. Um, so there we go. Uh, hasn't we haven't seen anything else from him in Doom Watch at this point? So. But he seemed to. I think you know. I thought this was a good one uh, in general, with with you know those few reservations. Oh, I I do have one other question. I, I think it, it's it's got a lot to live up to after the first three episodes in the season, and it, it I I think it holds its own. I think it holds its own. I wouldn't place it as the best episode in the run, but it's very good. Mm. Okay, this last question is still back to the sexism thing. Did Faye fall too much into the, oh, oh Nigel's divorced. Okay, then, because it kind of seemed that way to me. Was that? I don't know about the writing, but I, I, liked the, I liked the way she, I liked her performance in it because it struck me that it was both believable that she had had some kind of attraction to him and that 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 you know the the vestiges of that lingered on but also she was quite sort of within within the the affection that she felt for him she was also big big because you had that that really interesting scene where he was asking her to become his daughter's doctor so that she would be able to administer the stelomycin and the the i I i think i probably do want to give some credit to the writing actually the 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 way in which her character was portrayed in weighing that up and deciding how much of how much she would be influenced by her her kind of personal involvement i thought that was well done mm. okay all right well i think that about wraps it up for this unless you've got anything else i don't all right in that case uh, above your head what the next episode of doom watch is i believe um, it is called by the pricking of my thumb yes that's right that's right something wicked this way comes if i recall that quote correctly Thank you for joining me, Simon. My pleasure, as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. <laughs>